You're listening to Psyched Up, a show where we interview awesome guests in the mental health field in order to demystify therapy. We want you to understand the inner workings of therapy and view therapists in a fresh and humane light. Hi there, I'm Hanata. And I'm Chris. Welcome. On this podcast, we interview awesome guests in the mental health field in order to demystify therapy. We want you to understand the inner workings of therapy and view therapists in a fresh and humane light. We also aim for it to be a great resource for other mental health workers that are interested in how their peers work and deal with their own mental health. We hope you enjoy. I'm Renata, a psychology grad student. I interned at a hospital and an NGO, and I'm the meme maker for your therapy memes on Instagram. Since I can remember, I have always been pretty observant and fascinated with what goes on in other people's heads. So when I was choosing a career path, I wanted to unite this with my wish to help others, hence psychology. For me, starting this podcast has a lot to do with the same motivation that made me choose my own profession. Hi, I'm Chris, a therapy advocate and one of the owners of At Your Therapy Means account. I've been into psychology since I was a teenager, so I've always worked on different projects concerning mental health, from developing an app that connects people to therapists, to creating websites that share resources about psychology and finding meaning. This podcast is one of those projects, an aim to destigmatize therapy and help everyone feel relatable to one another, both therapists and clients alike. As our first guest, we welcome Dr. Funnies. Dr. Funnies is the brain behind the Instagram link page at Mental Health Funnies. She's a therapist with a doctorate in clinical psychology and has over 17 years of experience within the field. She started her page in May 2020 as a way to connect in a relatable and humorous way with other people in the mental health field. She hopes to bring laughter, validation, and normalcy to anyone who views her content. She believes laughter can sometimes be the best medicine. She also wishes to remain anonymous, so we respect that and address her as Dr. Funnies. I listened to a few of your podcasts from the other, I think it was the, the Millennial Health Podcast, yeah. if I recall correctly. Yeah. Uh, it, it's nice to see. It's nice to put the personality to the voice. <laughs> or like, uh, anyway, yeah. or whatever. I know. Um, I'm a little sneaky. It's a little sneaky online. Anonymous. <laughs> First of all, how long have you been doing this for? Like the mental health funnies? Yeah. Mental, I started it in May of 2020. So like pretty much a um, couple of months after the pandemic started. Um and it started off really inspirational. Like I was doing a bunch of quotes and, and, and more serious type of things. And I came across people doing memes or a couple of pages that I started to follow, you know, your page included. And I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me start. And I just start, I think I'm funny. So I just started making memes and it just, it really kind of took off from there, you know? And so it came to be a place of like a community. Um, where when we're in in the job, we're able to talk to other therapists about what's going on. We see each other in the break room or in the hallway, like, oh, I had this client, this happened to me, or you even just talk about um, your life and things that you've been through. And if you're having imposter syndrome, anything like that. But because we're virtual, we don't get to have those types of conversations with our colleagues. So I feel mm -hmm. like memes is a way to have kind of like that cooler talk when you're standing at the cooler and you're talking about stuff. I feel like the therapy memes is a way to do that. And I get a lot of um, feedback and responses about, you know, just feeling validated, feeling like, you know, this is something that I'm going through or that I had thought about or, 
yeah, it's just, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll keep going because I'm having fun. <laughs> so if you enjoy it, yeah. That's so nice to hear. And like part of it, we also get this feedback from like both therapists and clients, like taking us for like mm-hmm. making them laugh, even like in this really dark time. So I was curious to get your opinion on like, how do you think these means impact therapists and clients and like how they view therapy do you think it it affects at all like does it impact as you think it does yeah everybody's different right so everybody can respond differently to different stimuli see the same thing when you go look at a painting you know everybody has a different emotion that they feel about it so I feel like that's just kind of the same thing I mean means art kind of art and painting of themselves you know so some people interpret them the way in which they want to and some understand the humor they get the validation and then some may not understand it or they may actually really be offended by what you've said and you have to maybe take some inventory about like oh well did okay that's not the intent that I had so maybe I need to revisit how I you know address the meme there's a there's the process at least for me when I make the memes like I'm trying to not offend the clients and I'm not trying to give away too many therapist secrets but, but <laughs> some of it is funny, you know, because it is kind of like a behind the veil. And I think for clients, it gets kind of like what you're trying to do with the podcast here. It normalizes mental health as well as gives you an insight from a therapist's perspective that we're human too. You know, you come to us and I don't want you to think, at least for me, I'm not like sitting up on this cloud and looking down and trying to tell you how to deal Mm -hmm. with your life you're the one sitting on the cloud I'm looking up at you trying to figure out like okay well what's going on let's bring you on the same level as everybody else and understand how you can interact in a way in which you want Mm -hmm. to so you know for me it's really about trying to make sure I'm riding that line as best as I can It, it, it works out most times but I can't say you know I haven't gotten a couple of, of comments that people have been very upset at me <laughs> which I, I, you know I get and sometimes we're able to talk I'm very interactive on online um, so I try to interact with most of the, the followers or anybody that has questions or anything um, so sometimes I'm able to interact in a positive way and get a more clarity or understanding of you know the meme or what they misunderstood or whatever the case could be I feel you. I definitely feel you there. Like for, we had, when we just started out, I think it was some, I think it was like November of 2020. Wow. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been some time. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> we got this like <laughs> massive message because I, I don't, I don't, I can't remember what we, what we posted or whatever, but I was like, wow. Like it, it's just like a different perspective that I never considered before when it comes to like a certain mean that we posted. I was, and mm-hmm. yeah, after that, I was like, okay, we made a few rules where it's like, you know, <laughs> nothing that prevents the client from feeling nervous for sharing right. or nothing that prevents a client or nothing that puts a therapist in like too bad of life, not, not revealing yeah. too much of the secrets kind of thing. So, yeah, I, yeah. I got one from um, someone, I think it was, a, it was like an iceberg meme and it was talking about like, you know, sometimes you're in session and we're human so your mind may drift and you got to bring it back to the present and of course it depends on how aware you are of yourself the fact that you're doing that what you're doing in the session how to refocus yourself 
what's going on for the week. It's so much that happens in the therapist's brain. So that was the meme was, was about. So on the top, you know, I'm, I'm validating and I'm saying yes. And under the surface, you have all this dissociation going on. And so the person was just like, oh, well, you know, if I was uh, uh, going to get surgery and my, my uh, surgeon was thinking about all these things, I wouldn't want to go to him. I'm like, well, who's to say the surgeon isn't thinking about it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so I don't understand what you're saying. It doesn't mean I can't do my job. If, if anything, the fact that I'm aware that I'm doing this, I would hope lets me know I can do my job better. Like, okay, mm. this is how you got to recenter and refocus because it's, it's a, it's just a human trait. It's something that happens, you know? Totally. Exactly. I think it, it kind of relates to the fact that people sometimes think that therapists are like superhuman, that they learn something during training, yes. that not like above all of these human issues, but it's like just the opposite. <laughs> yes. You get a lot more problems. You're so right. They really do. I mean, but to some, we can be, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But we're, we're still, you, you have that human aspect of it. So those human experiences and human emotions and a lot of therapists are in their own therapy, you know? So, and that, yeah. I think that is one thing that I've definitely seen through these mental health pages and meme pages is that really being normalized because I've been in this field for quite some time. And of course, when you go into grad school, they tell you that you should go to therapy, but I was like, oh, yeah. What do, I'm trying to help people. What do I need yeah. for? It's like, no, you see the benefit in it and why, you know, you should also go. Yeah. And what is your own relationship with therapy right now? Like, do you go to a therapist? What did you get convinced that you sometimes needed to go to therapy as well? Yes. Yes. I have been, I'm not seeing a therapist currently. Um, I was seeing one before, not for that long. I haven't had a long-term relationship. I think I'm really looking for that fit. This may sound arrogant, it's not, but I really need someone that's like me in therapy. Like if I would have someone that is as empathetic and because how genuinely I feel about how um, authentic I am in my sessions, that's that's what I want. And I just, I haven't been able to find that fit. Mm. The, the woman I had previously, you know, I met with her for a number of times. I mean, it was okay. Um, but it just didn't work out for me. And so I do plan on, you know, trying to seek um, another therapist. I think the great thing for me is I um, am able to talk about a lot of how I feel with my husband. He's not a psychologist, he should be, (laughs) (laughs) because he understands, you know? And so being able to have that freedom um, also helps me because we have been through a lot of things, you know? Mm. And so, being able to understand those emotions, even when I don't know what's going on, just being able to say, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I feel heavy. Or I feel this. And he's like, well, t- t- tell me more. <laughs> tell me more about this. I'm like, where did you get those tricks from? Are you, try- are you trying to therapize me? I think you are. Um, but yeah, but I, I definitely, you know, would like to seek a therapist when I have, you know, that time to get my self-care right. I was just going to say that it is also great that your husband understands it just like gives you the space. And sometimes you just need someone to hold that space for you. Like it's all you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's very in tune, you know, and he's not a like, okay, let me tell you everything you can do to fix it. <laughs> it's like, just sometimes just, okay, validating and 
just hearing where I'm coming from. And like you said, you do, you need that. So that definitely helps a lot, especially having so many clients that you see on a regular basis, you know, dealing with that, dealing with your own life. Um, it's good to have your own space to let some of those emotions out. Definitely. I feel you there. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm kind of like your husband in the sense, because like <laughs> my girlfriend, she's like, she, I, I, I'm like the, the therapist in the sense, because uh, yeah. I, I'm going to therapy and then I learn these things. And then I'm like, right. okay, well, guess what my therapist just taught me. And she's like, oh, that's so fascinating. And then she, like a week later, she implements it. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. Cool. <laughs> that's, that's the part. It's the implementation. That is the part for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's good. It's good to have that because you know that's like one of the closest people to you. You're around all the time, and if you can't be mm-hmm. vulnerable and open, the rawness of your feeling you can't be like that with anybody else. So, yeah, I take it. <laughs> I take that. Yeah. And what about your own journey as a therapist? Like, how did you start? Like, how, when did you decide? Okay, I'm gonna be a therapist. Ooh. You know, it's interesting because (laughs) I decided a long, long time ago um, when I was young, I saw this movie called Sybil. I don't know if you guys know that movie. Uh, Yes. You know, Sally Field, she portrayed a woman with multiple personality disorders. And I may be late to understanding this, but I just found out the woman that she portrayed, like she was faking it the whole time. She really what? didn't have really? Yes, I just read an article on it and it was she oh did my it. God. Put, and this is also goes into like the therapist and client relationship because she basically did it to appease the therapist, you know, and the therapist Whoa. was writing a book and had research, just a whole thing about it. But yeah, that's that's yeah. what originally right. That's what originally got me interested. And I had a family member as well who suffered from um, schizophrenia and when she would have episodes, like I was really young at the time. I didn't understand what it was, but I just knew something was different, you know, as far as mental health was concerned. And so as I got older, I, in high school, I had an AP psychology teacher who was really awesome, um, really got me interested. Him and my guidance counselor, they both had doctorates in psychology, PhDs. So that really got me interested. A lot of my friends would come to me all the time for advice, <laughs> ask me what they should do. Uh, my sister t- still, like, she'll call me and she'll be like, now, let me know if I'm crazy. And then she'll run down the scenario <laughs> and we'll go through it. So I've always had this kind of feeling for wanting to help others. Um, and so what I think keeps me a therapist is just that I've, I've, worked in the field in many different aspects. I've worked with children, I've worked with families, I've worked in hospitals, I've worked kind of in like a residential home, I've worked with addiction, I've I've done a lot of things. Um, And each one of those scenarios, being able to work with patients and see change, when you see the change in the individual, that's that's a reward for me. Um, So I think that's what's really keeping me in the field as long as I, it'll have me. Well, that is quite a journey, actually. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's, I say 17 plus years, you know, it's when I look back on it and I'm like, wow, yeah, I did. I did all of those things, you know, um, you know, sometimes I'll, 
I remember I was moving my books around. I was cleaning off my books. I haven't looked at those grad school books in I don't know how long, but to look at them and I'm like, oh, I do know that. I know stuff. I remember this class. <laughs> I, lear- I learned a lot of things. You know, it's it's always excited me. It always gives, as you see how I light up talking about it. It's always given me yeah. um, a passion. I have never veered, except for the eight years I did social work. But other than that, <laughs> I have not veered <laughs> from, like, even then I was in school during that whole time. So it's always been something I've wanted to do. Renata, did you say how, like, what was your entry way into? I don't think I did, but mm-hmm. like, since I can't remember, I was always pretty observant. And I also got something similar with Dr. Funnies that is like my my grandma had bipolar disease, like type mm. one bipolar. And she wasn't diagnosed. So I don't know. I remember being little and just hearing like the whispers in the family and being like, mm-hmm. You see what she did, like, and now I, I see that she was like manic or she was like in a depressive episode, yeah. you know. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I didn't think about that at the time that I was choosing my profession, but I think that in retrospect, when I look back like at my history and where I was at the time, it makes a lot of sense. Like uh, a lot of my families have have different different things that they were dealing with and that they are dealing with but mental health is a really sensitive topic here so mm-hmm. I don't know uh in which respect I really think that that this led me here but like consciously I was just thinking that I wanted to help people and that I was observant and that I like to talk to people and hear their stories so <laughs> this was like my main motive like consciously this was it but now when I really analyze it I see that there were for a lot of different factors that actually hmm. led me to here and to this moment. Ah, but I, I love how you make I the think journey. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But like, as a, I'm not a therapist yet, like I'm in training. So that's why I'm really interested in talking with Dr. Funny. It's like to hear her experience <laughs> and things she already went through and that I'm going to probably go through. I so say, I, you are a therapist <laughs> just because you can't. <laughs> Technically, see the technicalities is the other yeah. part. It's kind of like a mind game, right? Kind of like yeah, a mind exactly. game. So you're like, no, I'm not a therapist, but I'm doing therapy, but I'm not a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Exactly. It's kind of ambivalent. I got confused at times, but I'm a therapist. I'm all, almost a therapist. I'm doing yeah. therapy, but I also want to know from from you, like, what were your most meaningful experiences during this journey? Like, of course, being mindful about confidentiality, but like, what do you think is that kept you going or like a situation that, that comes to mind? I would say most recently. Um, so the job that I'm at now, I've been there for almost two years. I think coming in, wait a minute, 2020, this is 2022. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> two years, because I, I started it right before the pandemic. I started it in November um, 2019. Um, so I was in the office. I had an office. I never really had an office before with my name on the door and everything. I was going to buy furniture. Yeah, it was really fancy. And then the pandemic came and they said, you can't be in the office anymore. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, all right. Oh no. You know, right. So I didn't know how this was going to go. That's another reason why I started the page because it was like the pandemic started. I'm dealing with that. I'm helping 
all of my clients deal with the same trauma that we're all in. And I'm like, I'm like, how we're not in the office. I'm doing therapy virtually, which is nothing we trained to do. It's just we kind of jumped in, you know. And so somehow I found my rhythm somehow because I would say around August. July, August. And I think a lot of therapists went through the same thing. It was this influx of clients that I had never seen before, which made sense because there was a lot going on. And so I found my rhythm of working with clients. And I always, like I said, I've always wanted to help people. And the thing that I get meaning, meaning out of is seeing change. And so I have a client that I've seen now the whole time. Yeah, the whole time I've been there. Um, which is another great thing. You work with a client for so long because you can really see the progression in emotion. Yeah. And I remember she was going through a breakup. She was really distraught over this gentleman. We talked so many months about really like a year um, about healing and dealing with the breakup and understanding the worthiness of love and what she deserved. And we met earlier this week and she said to me, she was like, you know what? I do deserve love. <laughs> like she was professing. She's oh. like, I do deserve love. I am okay. I am working on myself. And I was like, oh, oh. that's every therapist dream. <laughs> <Yes. giving this." laughs> I was like, you sound like me talking to you right now. That is awesome. <laughs> that's what I like to hear. And so I think what I'm getting to understand is as a <laughs> As a therapist, there are a lot of theories out there, right? You can pick and choose which one you want to go with. You can have one standard. You can pull from others, which is what I do, um, even though my ground base is uh, client-centered, very Rogerian, mm-hmm. very much like oh. about the relationship. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, I really like uh, that. Yeah. yeah, I'm very much about the relationship. And so for me, that's what works. And I understand that when clients come to me and it clicks and we vibe together, that's supposed to mm. work. And I just put up a, a tweet uh, the other day about like how therapists are like clothing, but we don't come as one size fits all, which is very true. You have to find the that's right fit really- for you. <laughs> yeah. That's true. perfect. Yeah. Yeah, you have to find. So that means for both therapists and clients. So for clients, if you're seeking a therapist, it should be someone you feel comfortable with, uh, someone that you can be honest, be authentic, be yourself, ask questions. You know, even if you have that fear of asking those questions, you still feel comfortable to do that. And for a therapist, being authentic and being who you really feel like you are in the sessions helps promote that change you have to really figure out what you think helps the clients and then once you figure that out you know do that and there's all like I said there's all sorts of theories out there everybody can say their theory is the best (laughs) we can (laughs) all be little gangs and but what it is it's all about the client and that's at the end of the day that's really what it's about And so when someone comes into a session with me, it's very free. It's almost like how we're doing this here. You know, they come, they tell me their things. I ask them questions that helps Mm -hmm. with guiding perspective, you know? And so when I can see someone's perspective change from when Mm -hmm. they first walked in, I'm like, okay, so I must be doing something, something right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think that as a therapist, you have to get accustomed to getting like, 
really a bite-sized rewards. Like you have to mm -hmm. be mindful about these changes because you're not gonna like overnight be like, okay, I have to love myself. Dr. Funny said right. realize that. Like it's a really gradual process, but when you really see the subtle signs, it's so rewarding. Like yes. it really it gets yeah. me going. Like some of my most mm. meaningful experience were were in relation to that. Yeah, I had a good friend when I was um, in social work. She, she gave me a good uh, bit of advice because I had never been in social work before um, and I needed to do it while I was in school and it paid well. So I did the job. Yeah. <laughs> but when social work, it's a lot different um, being a case manager and going into someone's homes versus where they come to the office, you know, and you're just sitting there. You really get uh, a different perspective and a different view. And I remember feeling like I was... Um, being overly uh, involved you know what I mean like I was trying to do too much yeah. that was outside of my job scope and when she uh, my friend she was like well that's you don't have to do that you know that's not part of your job your job is to do uh, these things do uh, or do x y and z and I was like you know what I don't have to do this I know I feel compelled to want to really help this person but the only way this person can really get help is to help themselves you know, and yeah. so I took that with me into the session. And so I feel like my main job in the session is to hold space. They don't have this space anywhere else to talk like this mm -hmm. to, to anyone else in the way they're talking to me. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I go in there with that mindset, I don't feel like I have to fix them or I have to give them all the right answers or I have to. Now, don't get me wrong. That stuff still creeps in because, <laughs> what, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, I try to. Yeah, we're not perfect, but we try to be. That's why we went to school for so long, because we got that perfectionism in us. Um, but yeah, so I, I try to remember the main purpose is this is for them. You know, so sometimes people apologize in a session for crying or they apologize mm -hmm. for talking too too much. And I'm like, this is your time. This is yeah. for you. Whatever you feel like you need to do here, whatever you feel like you need to say, whatever colorful language you feel like you need to use. I'm here for it all. So that's the only way we can really get to the true root of what you want to work on and why you're here. Yeah. Beautiful. That's wow. Yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like, like the concept of holding space. It's like, that's all I need to do is just hold space. By the way, hi, I'm Chris. I didn't even introduce myself. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, introduce yourself, Oopsies. Chris. <laughs> uh, so okay. I'm not a therapist. I'm like right. a therapy advocate. I was interested in psychology since I was a teenager and stuff. Like at first mm -hmm. it was like understanding my bullies and like how to make mm. and stuff. It was like some sort of weird active control kind of look, search for control. And then yeah. like fast forward, like I was struggling through mental health by myself, but I couldn't afford a therapist at the time. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to educate myself about therapy kind of thing. And I finally found a therapist like in 2018 and now I've been connecting other people to therapists and stuff. I just oh, see cool. like the differences, like the therapy has made. So yeah, I wanted to yeah. be in this industry somehow, even though I'm not a therapist. So here I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is very much welcome because we, we do work hand in hand, you know, it's, even though it may seem like one side of the couch versus the other, it's not. You know, mm -hmm. because if we didn't have clients who were out there and understood the benefit of therapy, we're able to spread that message 
you know, people wouldn't believe what we do because it's all yeah. like behind closed doors and all confidential. So you can't, you can't say, well, what did you do in therapy? Let me see a tape of it. You, you have to just believe yeah. what I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes, sometimes it, it works. Like I, I had a client the other day and like we know each therapist is different. Some are very much, you know, behavioral and he like homework and worksheets and I really don't do any of that. If I find an article <laughs> or a TikTok video or something, I'll send it to you. Um, <laughs> but I remember he told me that his wife was a little concerned about, uh, we've been meeting now for two years, but in the beginning, she was concerned. She was like, I mean, did she give you homework? Did she, did she give you anything? <laughs> when did she tell He's like, no, I'm just, you know. And now she's like, oh, I love your therapist. <laughs> you're oh. Expressing yourself. You're telling me what your needs are. I love her. <laughs> thank her yeah. please thank her for me yes and so that's what I mean like being able to see the the benefit for yourself of therapy and being able to spread that message can mm-hmm. help someone that you know may have been on the fence or like thinking like okay maybe I should go mm-hmm. to therapy and then this person's like oh yeah it worked for me and I'm like okay well how did it work for you what did you do how can I how can I do the same thing Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like when it comes to holding space, uh, actually, I feel like your, like your therapy style is very much like mine. Um, She's like a constructivist kind of thing, but she also wanted to be like a relationship therapist and stuff. And so she never gave me homework to do. It was like things to think about. And sometimes like, oh, write me if you have any ideas for this kind of thing, but was never like, I expect five pages of like a list, like 10 things of whatever kind of thing it's just like talking and just like holding that space because for the longest time like I never had that space and having that space being held it's it's amazing because it's like you're able to process your thoughts in a way that you can't with anyone else because they'll have their own thing (laughs) that's my favorite my favorite part is when I see someone talk themselves into an epiphany and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just sitting there like, exactly. Didn't even have to say anything. So you look at that, just having that space and knowing that someone is listening to you. You're also really listening to yourself and what you're saying, you know, mm. and it, it really does depend on what your goal is. Like some people have never been and they're not sure what to do when they come in the session, you know, and they are nervous or they're apologetic because they don't have anything to talk about. Yeah. I, I'm the therapist for that type of client. Cause I'm like, Oh, <laughs> well, what'd you have for breakfast? You know what I mean? What did you do yesterday? <laughs> uh, you know, did you listen to That is a great place to start. Yeah. yeah. And then the next thing you know, by the end of the session, she's crying and we're talking about dad. You know, like, how did we get here? <laughs> it's like, it's all a process because if you're in tune to what you're there for, like my way is always to, it's always a way to relate it to mental health. That's one of the ways how I've been able to do these means. Like yeah. I can always spin something into relating to mental health. Food is related to mental health. Physical health is related to mental health. <laughs> Friends can be related to mental health. It all can be related, you know? So talking about all these areas of life is not, you know, out of bounds for it being in the session. 
No, that I think exactly that. Like everything is a gateway into talking about your mental health because everything comes down to it. And I think a lot of times, like when clients arrive in like their first sessions, they think that they're not even allowed to have this space. Like, what do you mean? I get one hour where I dictate what I say and I get like the autonomy. Like you, you don't, yeah. you don't ask me only like the, the set questions. And right. it's really nice to see like the process of them becoming like more open and really understanding like, okay, I'm going to make the most of this time. Like the time is mine. Like they really get appropriated with therapy and that's beautiful yeah. to see. It really mm. is. Actually, that brings me to a topic I wanted to ask because we're like super close to it. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say to people that are resistant to starting therapy? For example, like the, oh, what? what do I have to talk about? Or, Oh, I thought it was only for crazy people. Like those are like the two things that I hear the most, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. It, it's kind of hard, you know, because <laughs> therapy has been so mainstreamed, right? Um, you see all types of therapists on TV, good, a lot of bad, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So if you've never been and you don't know what to expect, then you know you may have your stigma about it and like you said some people think it's only you only go if you're if you're crazy um but aren't we all go crazy but that's <laughs> another side that's what i say <laughs> um, yeah uh, but so i think for them they really would have to be ready uh, there's you can't really convince someone to enter treatment for themselves because they're not mm. they're not going to use the process in the way it should they'll feel like it's a waste of time um, for both parties, you know, so you can only support and offer any other avenues for them to feel like they can manage their mental health, whether that be, um, you know, their faith, if they like to go to church or have a religion, or if they need to join social groups in order to um, feel some sort of energy that, that helps that mental health. It's the only thing you can do. And then when they come to you and say, hey, uh, I think I want to see a therapist, you very quickly look for a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let them give up. Don't give yes. them give up. <laughs> yes, because that part of it, too, is is a, a kind of a bit, it's not kind of, it is a barrier, um, con- getting connected with a therapist. I don't know why it's like that. Uh, I mean, here in the States where I am, it can be very difficult. You end up calling um, around a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, People are booked. They have wait lists. Uh, The scheduling isn't what you are used to uh, or or something that you need. You need different hours. Um, The insurance, they don't take the insurance. So you kind of go somewhere Mm -hmm. else. There are a lot of barriers to finding, connecting with the right therapist. But it is, so you have to keep at it. Because it does happen. Um, you can get hooked up with someone where you can work on everything that you're, you're trying to work on. And I think that is the reward of kind of hanging in there um, and seeking a therapist and going through that process. It's almost yeah. like dating. It really is. It's all this rejection. <laughs> like, they didn't call me back. What's going it is, on? <laughs> it is like eerily similar to dating. <laughs> it is. Then you get there, you're like, well, we didn't vibe, so I don't think I'm going to see him again. <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah, so you really, and I think a lot of people also don't understand that you can find the type of therapist that you should be looking for, the type of therapist who was someone you feel comfortable talking to. Um, 
it doesn't have to be the stereotypical of what you think a therapist should be, you know, thinking about like, well, who would I feel comfortable divulging some of my like deepest and darkest things to really? And who Mm -hmm. would I feel that I can be vulnerable with? What type of person am I looking for that I can do that with? Um, and I think that's, that helps a lot. Amen to that. Yeah, actually I'm from Los Angeles. And so like, I have a friend and she was looking for a therapist for like, like half a year and she would get so, um, what's the word discouraged because of the amount of times no one would either pick up or booked full. And it just like, it just feels like you're being rejected in some sort of way, like the dating scene. Yeah. (laughs) It really okay. does, you know. I've had clients, you know, because when I said when we got that really busy season, I had never closed out my uh, my list before, wait list or another. So to have to do that was like heartbreaking for me. Yeah, so I wanted to just take on everybody, but you <laughs> you have to take care of yourself. So if I have a set schedule, mm-hmm. I, I try my hardest. I, I'm saying try my hardest not to veer outside of that schedule unless it's like really necessary. You know, someone needs an emergency session, you know, Mm -hmm. but if someone is like, oh, well, can we meet on on Fridays at five? I'm like, I don't do Fridays at five. Sorry. Mm -hmm. It's not in my scope of schedule. I have my family, you know, we have our weekend time. We do our thing. So I know for myself, I can't, I can't do, I've done this before. So it never worked out for me. So. You learned the lesson <laughs> hard this way. Yes, it's, it learned the lesson hard. So oh, even yeah. now, you know, I'm trying to just keep it so that I can have that time for myself. And I've recognized that it's okay to do that. See, we got to learn sometimes as well. <laughs> exactly. Eventually. And like about the people that can't afford therapy or a like their insurance doesn't cover it. Maybe even Chris can chip in on this one. But like, what would you recommend? Like someone that that wants this help, that wants to see a therapist, but they're not able to because of, I don't know, a bunch of motives. Like, what would you recommend them or say to them? Yeah, I think one thing is, you know, seeing if they have like a community mental health clinic or any uh, clinics that offer uh, services, whether that's pro bono. Um, so I know we have a lot here. I'm in Maryland. Um, so we have a lot of pro bono therapy uh, services that you can look for online. <clears throat> and then telehealth has definitely helped with the access of mental health. So with yeah. telehealth, you can see someone here in the state of Maryland anywhere. Um, it doesn't have to be someone close that you might not vibe with that takes your insurance and maybe someone you know miles and miles away that's in the state but they take your insurance that you vibe with and you can do telehealth and that works out fine for you you know so that's that's another great thing that's come out of this situation Um, and they even have it to where you can practice across state lines I think it's it's like a passport or something you have to get as a psychologist once you have your license and you can get licensed in another state while you're living in a different state and work across state lines. Uh, oh, I yeah, so that that is definitely given a lot of access to people um, that may not have had that access before. And then again, uh, like I said before, like with faith and religion, um, sometimes those are things that can really help people through those 
mental health struggles that they're they're dealing with. Um, and there are people there that can be have some sort of training in regards to dealing with mental health issues, or at least point you to some resources um, that can help you get those, that type of help. Great answers. I never thought <laughs> of like you. the religion part, but yeah, for yeah. real. Yeah, a I was... lot of my clients are religious, so uh, you know it does work for them. I was wondering, do you specialize in in anything in particular? <laughs> Modestly, yes. <laughs> right. I mean, I would, I would never. I don't know if I could ever call myself a specialist, but I can tell you, I have a lot of experience um, with a lot of experience with anxiety, a lot of experience with grief. A lot of experience with trauma, um, depression. Those are like my main, like as far as clients go, that's pretty much normally what I see. And then, of course, I also have worked with a lot of clients who have suffered from personality disorders as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of <laughs> dabble in having these experiences. Um, and so again, for me, I think it's just really getting the client to teach me about their experience of these symptoms. You know, I can know about anxiety. I can know about depression. I can know about trauma, but I don't know how you've experienced it and how you've dealt with it. I just know how mm -hmm. to approach it. And so, and as long as I can do that, then yeah. I can work with what you got. Hmm. Yeah, let me tell you, Carl Rogers would be really proud of you right now <laughs> for this one. I love Carl so much. <laughs> I, I still watch his videos on YouTube. I mean, like, as of like a couple months ago, I was still watching some, <laughs> some of his videos. They're so sweet. And he's, yeah, and seeing his style just, that spoke to me. And when you look at research about like what promotes change, a lot of it really comes down to the relationship between the therapist and the client. If you don't like your therapist, and if you don't like your client, it's not, it's not going to work because that yeah. happens too. Mm -hmm. We might we might try to act like we don't talk about that it doesn't happen, but it happens as well. You know where it's like, okay, what is it about me? Then you have to assess why don't I like this person? Um, you know, so I, I really do pride myself on trying to build that relationship as best as I can. Have you have you read any of the Urban D alone books? No, I don't. No, I know I have not. I'll be honest. Send me, send me some links to them because I definitely will. Yeah, actually, like one of his books, I can't remember. I have only read one of them, but it's like particularly like uh, cases where it's like unique cases and cases where he didn't like the client and turned <laughs> out him ending up liking the client. But there was just this huge, these huge barriers and stuff. Fascinating read. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, it's a very interesting process, you know. So, yes, definitely mm -hmm. send me the reads. I'll check them out. Will do. One question that I was like particularly curious about is I wanted to know uh, how do you know, how do you get the sense that therapy is working for your client? They tell me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's they normally it's that, but of course. And if you've worked with someone for so long, you can see you can see some changes in them. Normally, clients do come in and they say, "Oh, they, I tried what you suggested," or 
I did this uh, thing and I used this coping skill and it worked great for me. And so next time around, you know, they do the same thing and it works for them. Um, and then sometimes they do ask you like, well, I don't feel like I'm making progress. Do you see that I'm making any progress? And I'm like, yeah, of course. When you came in, you got to remember. And that's, that's the other thing about the therapist's brain. It's so crazy, like the stuff that you can remember and that you have to remember. And so if yeah. you can remember those, I remember those first sessions and how they went. I remember, you know, uh, the things that they talked about and the goals of what they, what, what brought them there originally. And so I always think about that in comparison to where they are now and have they worked on those goals? Have they approached anything in having to do with those goals? And if they have, that's progress for me. Whether they've achieved the goal or not um, is not for me to, to say that, you know what I mean? It's for them to recognize if they feel like they achieved the goal. But for me, it's the process. So as long as you're trying um, as long as you're trying to put in the work, then you'll see the, the results of that. So for me, yeah, it's really um, observation and them telling me, like, yeah, no, it's working. I'm like, it is. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great because sometimes, like, the clients just don't feel comfortable saying that or, like, they're, they're kind of insecure about it. Like, okay, I think I have made progress, but what do you think? Like, do you, do you mm -hmm, think I have mm -hmm. made progress? But it's just like you said, like, the person that best, that like knows how to answer that is the client. Like they know themselves exactly. better than we know themselves. So, so it's great mm -hmm. that they have this shadow of communication with you. Yeah. I'm, Cause I'm always like, I, I literally say this in the first session, like it's going to be you doing <laughs> the work. Like, yeah. I wish I could be like, a little therapist in the pocket and scream up at you that you can use this coping stuff, but I can't. I only see once a week. Or now. Once a week. Right. Yes. I can't do that. So, but some of this, what I hope is that some of the stuff we talk about here, like rings in your mind. Right. And when mm -hmm. you're engaging in the behavior, because I always tell them, which would be interesting because I don't know if any of my clients <laughs> follow me, um, but if they do, they would know, like I say all the time, awareness is key. So once you're aware of a behavior, then every time you engage in that behavior, you're like, oh, I said I wasn't going to do this anymore. And for me, that's it. As long as you can have that awareness, then whatever work you put into changing that behavior is, is for you to do. Knowing is half the battle. <laughs> Knowing is big. There you go. Knowing is half the battle. <laughs> exactly. Dang, I should have used that one. <laughs> one of the things I, I was, Rana and I were talking earlier before you came on and uh, we were talking about like having these like weird dreams where we are not, we feel like we weren't good enough. Like this, like this imposter syndrome kind of thing. I was wondering, have you yeah. had that during your time of like, in your 17 years of experience and how did you deal with that? Do you still have it? Yes. I mean, like yesterday, maybe the day before <laughs> <laughs> it comes and goes. And it's funny. Like I tend to have, and my husband laughs at me because obviously I'm working from home. So he sees like when I go in the sessions, like sometimes I'm so anxious before a session. And he's yeah. like, what's wrong with you? You're doing this all the time. I'm like, I know, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go. You know, you don't know. You never know what to expect. And it's always kind of like, a, you got to be on your toes. 
He's like, but once you go in there, you're always fine. I'm like, I know, but I just got to go through <laughs> my process. Okay. I know, need to so freak out a little bit beforehand. I need to freak out a little bit. And so I talk about this with some of my clients, imposter syndrome. And I think it's just unfortunate that we call it that because I think what it really mm -hmm. is, is just like that little fire that's under your feet for you not to get too comfortable. You think that Ooh. you have everything sewn up like, no, I got this. I know what I'm doing. And then you get in there and it's a bomb and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, but if you feel like you're always open and you, I, I always feel empty going into the session, even if I know what we talked about last week or I know the history of what we talked about, you could come in and talk about something completely off the wall that happened to you last week that I've never heard. Now I have to process it with you. So I always try to be empty and fight that little voice that says you have to be the expert you have to give the yeah. answers you have to know no mm. i don't i don't need to do that i need to hold space or go back to that i need to hold the space that's what that's what i need to do and if i can do that then i'll be solid that's a really good point actually yeah. we call we call this shooting all over yourself and to be clear shooting as in i should do this I'm going to take that just so you know. <laughs> Go for it, please do. We're going to next week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Stop shooting all over yourself, please. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You do you you doubt yourself and it's like if you weren't <laughs> where you are supposed to be if you weren't supposed to be there then you wouldn't be there all mm -hmm. the things that lined up to get you to where you are right now then those things wouldn't happen like you're supposed to be in this place and so now you have mm -hmm. to deal with your own anxieties of feeling like you're not good enough because it's really you and like nobody has said anything to you. <laughs> no one come yeah. up to you and say, hey, you're doing you're doing horrible work here. I don't even know why you're here. But we do that to ourselves. And like I said, I think it's I think it's partially because we want to we really want to be good. We really want to help. And I think that is commendable because that shows that you're in it, you know, for the right reason. I really like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's such a common notion. Now <laughs> you really calm me down about my imposter syndrome. <laughs> well, good. Call me anytime. I'm happy <laughs> to help you out. Because <laughs> I, I get it. I, when I first started out, that's the thing. Like when you first start out as a therapist, you're not, you're not self-aware of yourself in the session. You only learn that by going through the experience going through yeah. supervision, consulting with other therapists that have felt the same way. And then you find your footing, but no one can really show you how to do it. You can observe others, but you really figure that out for yourself and figure out like, okay, what affects me in the session? What triggers me? How do I, because uh, as therapists, and we know compartmentalization is it's kind of like a defense <laughs> mechanism, but we tend to be really good at it because you got to put your life like on the shelf and be yeah. present in the session. And sometimes that 
it may not work out for you as a maladaptive behavior in life, but in a session it works because it allows you that ability to just focus in on your client, you know? So I think it's just a matter of understanding what needs to happen in the session, um, mm. being okay with things that didn't go well. Uh, Cause sometimes mm -hmm. clients, they don't, they don't notice that. <laughs> they don't notice that you didn't know what you were saying. You say a sentence and in your head, I'm like, I don't think they got that. Right. Like, yes. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, okay, all right. You know, because again, the intention is what to really help that person. It's not really pointed questions. I was just wondering, is there anything you want me, if you want us to ask you for your sake, like. That's a good question. Um, we'll do a plug you at did. the end. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think, I don't know if you asked me, I know one of the questions was about my own mental health. I don't know if we talked about, I know we talked about my like experience with therapy, but as far as my own mental health and the things that I have um, dealt with and managed, mainly anxiety. <laughs> I think most of us who go to grad school end up with anxiety um, and managing that. And mm -hmm. then I've had my, uh, I've also had my share of, of grief slash trauma as well. And I think that tends to give me a different perspective when my clients come in or are dealing with some of the things that I've dealt with, you know, in my own life you know, and understanding those emotions and, and some of those things that they are thinking in that moment, being able to, to validate for them those feelings is, is helpful because I really do, really do know um, what it feels yeah. like to go through something like that. Mm. Yeah, and I think the, the client totally, like, they realize this. I think that even if you don't tell them, okay, I, I've had this experience, like I get what you're saying, like <clears throat> just the way you're behaving in, their set, in the session, like I think they get that and that's really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tend to put a lot of uh, perspective spins on things that my clients say, you know, so they'll say, uh, I think my one client was like, see, now I got to keep uh, cooking my own food because she, she just retired and I gotta, mm -hmm. you know, I can't go here and I can't do this. And I'm like, well, at least you're saving money. At least, <laughs> you know, now uh, you, you get to be more healthy. And she's like, you can always put a positive spin on something. And I'm like, well, I think really once you've been through a, a, a number of things in life that have really altered your perspective on life, if you can find that other side, that lesson that has been learned, that reason why it all happened, um, even if it's not in that moment, if it's years later, you're like, oh, that's why I didn't get that job. That's why this person passed away. This, mm -hmm. this brought this family together. This brought this, this person closer to this. This made this person go uh, find their, their faith or find who they are. You know, figuring that aspect out has helped me a lot um, to be able to guide my clients to know like there is an other side to that pain. We go through life a lot trying to avoid pain. Nobody wants to go head on into pain. Well, I would mm. redo that. <laughs> so we do a lot of things. Sometimes there's very interesting things to avoid pain of any sort, emotional, physical, spiritual, you know, but sometimes we're supposed to go through that pain. All times we are in order to learn something either about the situation or about ourselves 
and I know a lot of times that's hard to hear. It's better to hear once you get that that kind of aspect after the situation has passed and you've you've healed from it. Well said. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. I, I feel like like after that, I'm just gonna lay down for one hour and like process <laughs> everything <laughs> you're saying because it's everything like so valuable. Oh my god. Yes, I, I hope so. Like, I'm really I'm really glad you guys asked me to do this. I love talking with anybody who's willing to listen about psychology and <laughs> bettering yourself and, and uh, just the human experience in and of itself and sharing my own experience, if that's helpful to anyone out there. I was wondering, like, when it comes to, like, the the struggles you were, that you had for, with your mental health, like, is there any that you want to, like, feel comfortable going deeper on? Because I, I'm really interested in knowing. Yeah, sure about either the trauma or the anxiety, I feel like it's really good for the audience, but also for, I feel like it's good for everyone. I'm also an advocate of owning your story. No one can take away mm. uh, your experience. So I have no problem uh, sharing any of my, uh, the things that I've gone through. And so I would say that the most traumatic situation I went through was when I was on internship. So this is just a story. Don't get scared. I know you're on <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. This, this, this happened to me. This happened to me. Um, but yeah, I was on an internship and I was in the Midwest and I'm from the East Coast. It was very much a culture shock to me. Didn't feel understood. I was the only Black intern there um, and I felt discriminated against. I was discriminated against. I actually ended up getting fired from that internship after being there eight months um oh my yes God. and at that time I was also eight months pregnant when they fired oh yes wow. so I immediately moved back to Maryland right after that because I wanted to go back to my home school and try to do another internship so I can finally finish and I get back to Maryland and we lost my child my very first child um at 37 so weeks sorry. she was still born Yes, thank you very much. I mean, it was, it was, it was tough. It was really tough, and this was in two thousand and ten. Um, so you know, some years ago, um, and the thing about it was, I had a really good grief counselor come in in that moment uh, to speak to us, and she told us some really great things. She she suggested a book to me um, for anybody that wants to know. It's called Empty Cradle, Broken Heart. Um, mm -hmm. you can read the chapters in any order and it really helped me and validated a lot of the things that I was feeling, you know, because when you talk about pregnancy loss, not a lot of women openly discuss this. And I feel like that's a shame mm -hmm. because a lot of us have gone through similar situations uh, that we could all relate to. Um, and so, and then after that happened in 2010, um, my mom passed away in 2014 I never really honestly get the year right because as you can honestly know, like it was a, it was a crazy time. So 2014, 2015, and her, her anniversary was actually coming up um, on the 22nd. And mm -hmm. in dealing with the death of my first child, like we seriously grieved um, the passing of that child. We used to light a candle every night for her. We would blow the candle out every night as if we were putting her to bed. We talked about her all the time. Um, two months after she passed, I became pregnant with my rainbow baby, who I have now. She is now 10 and 
it's about as tall as me. (laughs) Wow. Right. And I also have a son who was born on Christmas. That was another um, (laughs) traumatic situation because he came two months early. He was, yes, he was only two pounds. He stayed in the hospital for four months. Um, Oh, that must be so scary. It was, it was nothing I, me and my husband had ever gone through. We had never experienced a, a premature uh, birth or a child having to care for him. And he, he, he didn't really require a lot of um, medicines or, or surgeries. He did have one surgery. Um, and now he's just as rambunctious as ever, <laughs> jumping off of everything, <laughs> climbing on everything. Um, he is special needs. So he has like a developmental delay. So he's, he's verbal. Um, but he doesn't really talk to us. He talks kind of in the air. He, sp- mm. <laughs> he speaks a lot in uh, educational shows, uh, language, uh, which is great, you know, and now he's been using them in context, being able to go to schools. So wow. all, of, all of those experiences definitely led to my feelings of anxiety um, as far as like trying to predict the outcome of things and having that need for uh, wanting things to, to happen a certain way. And when they don't, that disappointment, that, that anxiety that you're not doing something right, um, having to realize you are doing something, <laughs> you are doing something right. And whatever's going to happen, you know, you can be, you'll be okay with whatever the, the result is going to be because you've been through these things and you came out on the other side. Yes, it was painful. Yes, there were many nights where you cried and you felt like your heart was just breaking out of your chest, but you still made it through. You still dealt with those emotions and tried to heal from them, you know? And so to this day, of course, it's still painful, um, but it's easier to talk about because I talk about it a lot and I'm not afraid to talk about it. I don't feel shame or fear. Um, and talking about it because that's what gives it that kind of control over me, I think, personally, um, mm-hmm. to feel that anxiety of not wanting to share that story. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those those are my main um, situations with, with trauma and grief. I'm pretty sure if I really thought hard, there's more. But <laughs> those are the ones that, that a, really, um, yeah. Exactly. Some pretty big T's there. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. Those are the ones that really... Um, stand out for me and so I like when I hear clients talk about uh, their mom passing away how they felt about that I've had a number of clients just recently um, suffer from pregnancy loss and being able to talk about that and understand Mm -hmm. some of those things that they are going through and being able to kind of forewarn them about emotions that may come up um, Mm. and triggers that could come up for them you know is also helpful. That's actually one thing I wanted to ask because I was talking to a therapist that was actually like specializing in like miscarriages and things in this area. And I was wondering for people who, if they are listening, who have gone through a miscarriage, like, is there anything you would want to say to them or for them? Yeah, just know you are not alone. There are definitely support groups out there um, for you. There are a lot of self-help books as, as well. Um, and counseling can be helpful to talk about the loss because sometimes we feel because that the child was not born or, you know, living and breathing and 
had a birth certificate that we shouldn't grieve the loss of this life. But no, mm-hmm. if that's what you feel like you need to do in order to heal, that, that's something that you should do because it will help you heal to grieve in that way. And there definitely can be some fear in trying again. It's only natural, you know? So that's why I say counseling um, or some sort of groups to help you manage that fear um, and going through that. Because I remember when I was pregnant um, with my second child, I didn't get to enjoy the pregnancy at all. I was so nervous the whole pregnancy. I was so scared um, until the moment she, she came. And then it was just like this relief, like, okay, she's here, everything's fine. And she's the one who really taught me how to be a mom, you know? Because I didn't know what that life was like. <laughs> now I definitely know. I know that life a lot. <laughs> so she helped prepare me for my son. Uh, when he came, you know, and with him, I was able to have that that kind of uh, relief of enjoying that pregnancy because of being able to heal uh, from that trauma. So beautiful. <laughs> Try not to tear up. <laughs> oh, no, because you made me tear. Super empathetic. Can't, you can't tear up. <laughs> what? No. You can't tear up because you got happy tears. <laughs> Look, I got my box. I got my own therapist. <laughs> <laughs> in my office. Oh, but yeah, that was beautiful. It is really, yeah. And to have, and I cannot, uh, without a doubt, could not have gotten through it without my husband because we went through this together. We both talked about this um, extensively. Anytime we wanted to talk about her, and even to this day, um, Cardinals hold a special place in our heart because whenever uh, when she passed uh, we started seeing cardinals outside of our window all the time mm. so every time mm. we see cardinals we're like oh that's that's her you know come oh, and say hello so to us yeah and like I said the, like the pain is still there so there's like a particular song um it's called how can you mend a broken heart so if I'm somewhere and that song plays yeah I'm done. I'm a puddle. <laughs> it could be in a Denny's. It could be anywhere. I'm just done. If I'm not prepared to hear it and it just comes on, that's kind of the hold that um, grief can have over you. But at the same time, I look at that as beautiful because she de- she deserves those tears. She was a beautiful soul, you know? So mm. I can drop some tears for her. That's okay. I'm not ashamed of that. I That's really so appreciate powerful. your outlook. Seriously. <laughs> Goodness. Yes. yes. Thank you. I know every time I tell a story, it gets people. I understand why. Um, you know, it's something that I went through. It's, I may look really strong in talking about it. At the time, I did not feel like I, I could be. But I do recognize now the strength in even being that vulnerable about it you know, yes. what, what I was going through. So I think that's what helps. Yeah. And, and I'm sure like you're definitely helping a lot of people that might have gone through similar experiences because at least here, a lot of people invalidate this kind of grief and they say like horrible things they don't understand. They never went mm. through it. So they think that it's not like as strong a grief as other kinds, you know? So really like, sharing your story in this way it's so powerful it's so meaningful to others thank you thank you you i hope so (laughs) (sighs) all right so 
more to uh, cloud level. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, are you working on any projects right now? Uh, in my head, yes. <laughs> in my head, I'm working on some things, you know. I'm hoping this year to be able to do something um, I, because I feel so inspired by the page, you know, and I feel really inspired by the people that reach out and they're just like, I love your content. And I, I visit your page every day. It's one of my favorite Aww. mental health meme pages. And I'm just like, oh, really? Okay. I don't know what's happening, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm glad it's helping you in some way. So I'd like to work on some things. There's a number of um, other pages that have been really supportive as well. Um, so I'm very open to more podcast interviews. I love talking, as you can see. <laughs> Great at it. <laughs> and yes, and uh, one of my uh, good friends, Sarah, over at Kid Heart Therapy um, on Instagram, I did an interview with her some months back. And she said, she's like, oh my God, you need to write a book. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I need to do something. You know, so right now I'm focused on uh, trying to get my license to become an independent psychologist here in my state. I'm very close. Mm -hmm. I just got to turn in like one more form. It's so complicated, oh my God. but just turn in a form, pass test, and then I'll be done. Um, nice. So within the next couple of months, and then hopefully during that time, I just come out with something, something for the people. <laughs> we want it give us please yes <laughs> let us know we'll definitely post about it <laughs> oh yeah. thank you thank definitely. you um and then i i think the last thing uh, is like plugs so where can we find you what channels are you on websites okay. etc yes you can definitely i'm mainly on instagram i'm super active on instagram um, the handle is at mental health bunnies, um, just all lowercase. Um, I'm also on TikTok, but it's basically the stuff that I post on Instagram on TikTok because I'm mm -hmm. a little older, so I don't really know how TikTok works. <laughs> I, feel I you. see all the effects. Yes. I, feel I feel confused as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm about to be like, 42 in February. I'm just like, uh, FX, I don't know. Just post it. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Um, uh, so, you know, I do some video memes. Uh, so I post those on there. And then I'm also on Facebook, same thing at Mental Health Bunnies. Um, if you go on my Instagram page and click the link in the bio, I put up links to other interviews that I've done. So you can check those out. It's mainly where you'll find me. Fantastic. Thank you. Renata, is there anything else? I just wanted to thank you so, so much because it's our first podcast interview. It's a, our first episode. And I feel like we got this amazing live interview like at the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just wish we were like really famous so everyone could, could hear you talk because like it really oh. is a blessing. Thank you so much. Agreed. Oh, thank you guys. One day, you know, this will be etched in history. And they'll go back like, she, she was on our show first. And I was like, I'm on their <laughs> show first. That's right. Everybody go and listen. Everybody go and listen to them. <laughs> we'll do a rerun of it. So like in like the next year, like maybe like during Christmas or something, we'll have like yeah. Dr. Funny's interview. 
That way people can re- re-listen to it. Please. I would love I would love to come back. You guys are great. You guys are very Thank cool you. to talk to. You, so I would love to come back. Aww. Oh. We'd love to have you back on. <laughs> Thank you. Can I give a couple quick shout outs? I just want to give a shout out or two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> couple of uh yeah, a couple of pages that follow me on Instagram. I gotta give a shout out to my my Instagram BFF. Uh, wait, I'm the therapist. Love her to death. If you don't, if you haven't followed her page, she should. She's she's hilarious and she makes a pretty funny uh, mental health memes. And then, of course, my boys over at Millennial Mental Health Channel. Uh, my guys over there. Their podcast is great. If you haven't heard any of their episodes, they are awesome. Um, Sarah at Head Heart Therapy, The Shawnee Project, Future Mind Reader, Your Brain on Life confident report my my good friend and colleague uh, she has instagram as well her name is nicole harris um there's a gentleman that i follow he's been very supportive of the page his name is aaron his handle is the black therapist and then there's another gentleman who i follow who's supportive as well his name is men to heal so shout out to all you guys that's great. I'm writing it down like I'm going to hear it later so I can follow everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely post, a, post the links. Um, one last thing. Apologies. Um, is there anyone that you would recommend um, for hopping on this podcast and joining us? Yeah, there's a couple, mainly the people that I just named, any of those <laughs> individuals. Uh, they would be great to have because they post some really good mental health content and it covers a lot of different spans from um, health and fitness to um, health in the black community to men's mental health uh, to millennials mental health so yeah I would just go through that pick and choose I think any any one of them would be great great thank you thank you so much for being on our first podcast and uh, yeah (laughs) <laughs> thank perfect. you guys I think that that's a wrap up oh my god yeah <laughs> thank you so much listener for coming along with us on this podcast i hope you've enjoyed our first episode have any feedback suggestions or want to be on the podcast write us at podcast at psychedup.show if you want show notes or resources about mental health you can find more at psychedup.show looking for memes Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Your Therapy Memes. Until next time, listener. <laughs>